21 years ago, we were a family of four, and uh, we were about to give up on church. We thought that maybe it wasn't relevant for our lives anymore. But out of obedience, and it was obedience, we accepted a call to a little small church in Fredericksburg that was behind BJ's. And the people were wonderful. It was a caring, loving community. But there was no vision at that church to reach out beyond the walls of just those few people that attended there. And the Bible clearly says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And it's true, because God gives vision, and then people follow that. And I will never forget the day after Buddy and I came to that church when we, we realized that we couldn't do church. One of the reasons it was irrelevant for us was because we didn't want to do church the way that it had always been done. And we didn't want just to be comfortable and do it just for us. And so God broke our hearts. We were brokenhearted because that small church was not making any impact in the community around it. It was only ministering to each other. Kind of, uh, it, was, it was wonderful, but it was contained within those walls. And not only did he break our heart for, to reach people for Jesus, but he burdened us with the responsibility that believers have to reach out into the world. God clearly calls us to go beyond ourselves. It was the vision that God placed in mine and Buddy's heart 21 years ago, simply to reach people for Jesus. And he gave us a strategy, and it was called Forward by Faith. And we took off with renewed passion. We had purpose. We understood why we were there. And we began to just pour out our lives for this community. And from those days, 21 years ago, to this day today, the vision for this body of believers has never changed. It has never changed because it was God's vision for this body in this community. And that was to reach people for Christ, to make disciples so that we could reach more people for Christ. And throughout the years, the name of the strategy, strategies changed. We began with Forward by Faith and we had uh, bridge jumping, we had beyond, we had one. Some of you I see out there were part of, of all of those. And those were just simply ways that we were able to carry out the vision that God broke our heart for, to reach more people for Christ. And here we are today, once again, and God has challenged us to stretch beyond even where he's brought us to today. There are so many more people that are out there to be reached for Christ. And today we begin a new series, and we're calling it Rebuild, and it's based on the book and the life of Nehemiah. And over the next four weeks, we're going to share God's plan for this time, this season that we're in right now and for our future here at Salem Fields Community Church. Well, good evening. Well, you're all excited, aren't you? <laughs> Good evening. One more time. Yeah, how many of you came to Project Worship the other night? 
it was kind of fired up, nice evening to worship together, and God showed up, and Gay led that, and whoo, a lot went into that, but God really showed up, and so let's not let that fire die and say good evening, but anyway, <laughs> I am glad that uh, you're here tonight, and uh, I want to start with a little quiz, a little Bible quiz, and, and it's from the, uh, it's from the uh, Old Testament. So, uh, now this is audience participation, okay? Okay, ready? First question. Who was the greatest comedian in the Bible? Anybody know? Samson. He brought down the house. <laughs> now, come on. <laughs> oh, wow, you guys. Anyway, who was the greatest... Um, Male financer in the Bible. Gosh, y'all don't know your Bible. <laughs> Noah. He was floating his stock while everyone else was in liquidation. <laughs> okay, who was the greatest female uh, financer? Pharaoh's daughter. She went down to the bank of the Nile and drew out a little profit. <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> Who is the greatest babysitter mentioned in the Bible? David. He rocked Goliath to sleep. Seriously, that's good. Who is the shortest man in the Bible? Close. Nehemiah. 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 So I want to start our new series by, um, so that was pretty good, pretty corny, huh? See if I can't top that next week, but anyway, I want to start by sharing a, a little background on the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah in the Hebrew Bible was, um, was one book. Uh, they were part of the, uh, they were one book and now when the, they were divided, for they're part of the same story. In fact, the book of um, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther uh, all come out of the same general period in Israel's history. Now, the book of Ezra begins with the building of the temple because the restoration of the house of God is always the first thing in people finding their way back to God. You know, all through the Old Testament, the people would, uh, they'd fall in love with God and, yeah, God, we're going to follow you, and then they'd Next thing you know, they'd be out wandering around and whining and carrying on. And, uh, and, and so the, the, always the first thing in people finding their way back to God was the rebuilding of God's house. The next comes the building of the walls, as we see, we'll see in the book of Nehemiah. And that met the need of security and strength. The people needed a sense of security and a sense of strength. And finally, the book of Esther comes as the revelation of, of the purpose of all this in the life of an individual. Now, that, that's just a quick perspective on these three books. Now, let's look at the man, Nehemiah. Nehemiah, um, his name means compassion of God. And he was a man that had a passion for God's word and a passion for God's work, and he was determined to fulfill his purpose. Now, Nehemiah was a man at the top of his prof uh, profession, but, he, we, uh, but we know nothing of how he got to the top and how he got this, um, uh, this cushy little gig that he has. We don't know where he was born. We don't know anything about the upbringing, his upbringing. But we do know that Nehemiah was a normal, 
everyday average guy who was living a posh life as a cupbearer of the king in the year 445 B.C. It's an extraordinary, I mean, if you wanted a, in the Old Testament, if you wanted a, a good job, an important gig, it was to be the cupbearer. The thing that Persian kings feared the most was that someone would slip a little something in their wine, a little poison in their wine. And, and if you wanted to get rid of the king, one of the ways to do that was poison them. And so the, the, the king would hire someone that he trusted, and he'd have to trust this man with his life. And wherever the king was, the cupbearer was. The king went nowhere that the cupbearer wasn't with him. You see, when the king ate, and he ate several times a day, there seated next to him was the cupbearer. And he drank wine, and, uh, and the Persians have a history of winemaking. And Nehemiah was chosen as that person, the cupbearer. The cup he was a trusted man. He was a loyal man. And, and, and so he was, the king uh, hired him to be his trusted cupbearer. Now, last week we talked, uh, we finished our series on uncertainty, and we talked about love and uh, uh, God's love. And we, we discovered that uh, five ways that God loves us, and one of the ways that we talked about that God shows his love for us is that God has a plan and a purpose for every individual. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. No matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, God has a plan for your life. And he has a purpose for your life. And that is a way that he shows us that he loves us and that we are important to him. And you might be sitting there thinking, buddy, there is no way that God has a purpose for my life. And I would say to you, yes, there is a way. If you are a Christ follower, if you're a believer in Jesus, God has a very specific person for your life that has to do with the kingdom of God. He has a very specific purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do great works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So long before you were created, when you were just, even before you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye or your mama's eye, whichever one got the twinkle, God had a purpose and had a plan for your life. And he did because he loves us. And that work is never about you. It's never about you. If you ever read Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, the first line in the book says, it's not about you. And God's purpose is never about you. It's about a, a, a burden or a heartache for others. It's far greater than you. It's far greater than your family, your career, career, or even your wildest dreams. You and I were created for God's purpose. So today we want to teach you how to live on purpose and how to how, to, how you can fulfill that purpose through the life of Nehemiah. First, to discover God's purpose for your life, you must give yourself fully to God. You must give yourself fully to God. If you want to make a difference with your life, when you get to the end of your life, if you want people to say more about you than you were a, a good cook or a great uh, mother, if you want people to say um, something about you that goes far beyond that, the, uh, what we normally say at funerals if we don't lie about the person. Uh, 
we have to understand that God, to, that we need to give ourselves fully to God. The Bible says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service. Do not conform to the standards of this world, but let God transform you. Then you will be able to know the will of God, what good and pleasing and perfect will of God that he has for you. Once you've given yourself fully to God and you allow him to be Lord of your life, then God, God will plant a seed inside of you that will grow into a holy discontent. An issue uh, in your life that just wrecks you. That seed, that thought will begin to germinate in your life and it will wreck you. It will break your heart. It will frustrate you. It will keep you awake at night until you just have to be a part of what God has planted in your life. And if you let God have your whole heart, he will mess with your life. And he'll take you places in your life you've never dreamed of. And like Nehemiah, he will use you to impact the world in ways you could never, ever imagine. And so the first thought that I want to say to you is that God wants you to commit your life fully to him because he wants to mess with your life so that your life can make an impact in the world and, and we can be, uh, our life can be far beyond what we ever imagined. You see, but God will never do something great through us until we first allow him to do something great in us. He will not do something he will not do something great in us until we allow him to do something or he won't he won't do something great through us until we allow him to do something great in our life. He wants to use you. Every one of you. Those online, God wants to use someone whose heart is completely his. Which brings us back to Nehemiah and his heartbreak and his burden and God began to mess with him and and it says that in uh, in uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, I, Nehemiah, am the son of Helicaliah. These are my words. They tell my story. During the winter month of Cheslev, in the 200th year of uh, Artaxerxes' reign, I was in the fortress of Susa when one of my brothers, Hananiah, came from Judah along with some of the other men. I asked them about those Jews who escaped, who survived the exile, and, and about our city, Jerusalem. Hananiah and the Judean men said to Nehemiah, it is a disaster. The survivors of the exile who are, the Persian, who are in the Persian providence of Jerusalem have been wronged and they are hated. And, and he said, the wall of Jerusalem has been reduced to a pile of rocks and its gates consumed by the flame. Now the news of that the, that the walls of Jerusalem were in ruins, that the gates had been burned down, broke Nehemiah's heart. And when, when he heard the news, Nehemiah's heart took on the burden of rebuilding Jerusalem. He believed the burden was his purpose from the Lord to take leadership in the completion of the work of rebuilding the wall. You with me? Okay, two of you. His heart breaks for God's people, and so Nehemiah does something about it. So his first response to God breaking his heart was to pray. He didn't just start trying to fix things like most men do. You know, something's wrong, we'll fix it. Whether it's physical things we can fix or emotional things, we'll fix it. He didn't start with fixing it. He prayed the prayer that Kelly read for us earlier. So we see from Nehemiah that the first step to fulfill your purpose is to pray. 
And the Bible says that Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He was so overwhelmed and burdened with his purpose to rebuild the wall that it drove him to his knees. And when you've got a God-given purpose in your life and you know it, God is going to drive, it's going to drive you to your knees. If not, it'll drive you crazy. You see, the Bible says, hearing this, Nehemiah says, I was overwhelmed with grief and could only sit and weep. For days I mourned this news and I sought the audience of the true God of heaven, praying and fasting before him. And the Bible says he prayed for one specific thing and it's found in verse 11. He said, give your servant success today by granting him uh, favor in the presence of of this man. Now, now, if you notice, he wasn't asking for success in rebuilding the wall because he knew that it was that if that was God's purpose for his life, then it was God's responsibility to help him rebuild the wall. So he wasn't asking for help to rebuild the wall. You see, instead, he asked for success when he approached the king. He's saying, God, give your servant success today. Why is that? Because he feared the king's response. You see, like Nehemiah, if you're going to fulfill your purpose for life, you will have to overcome your fears. If God gives you a purpose for your life, there will be fear, and you'll have to overcome your fears. You, you, you can be sure your purpose is from the Lord if it causes fear in your life. Because you realize, wow, I can't do this on my own. This is too big for me. And, and, I, and because it's from the Lord, I'm going to have to step out of my comfort zone and do some scary stuff. And for Nehemiah, for Nehemiah, his fear was approaching the king. The Bible says the king said, you look disturbed. I know you are not ill, and because the king was glad of that. The sadness I see in you is the sadness of the heart. He says, what's wrong? And Nehemiah says, as I stood there before the king, I was very afraid. You see, he admitted his fear. He knew that to approach the king was very risky because to approach the king, you may have to face his wrath because the king held the absolute power of life and death. I mean, he could have wiped him out. But Nehemiah, because he was fully in and committed to God's purpose, presented his request to the king in spite of his fear. Then the king asked about his plans in verse 6. He says, how long will you, your journey take and when may I look for your return? He said, then I knew I had received his blessing he was sending me. You see, he knew he'd found favor with the king, so he boldly presented his plan to the king. In response to the question, he said, I set a time. Which means to me, if you have a purpose from God, you got to take time to make a plan. You got to take time to make a plan. And Nehemiah has a radical faith and he lays out a plan and he commits himself to the plan. If you read in Nehemiah, and he does that by sharing his purpose with others. If you're going to fulfill God's purpose for your life, you got to tell other people. Because it's something about telling someone else that now we're committed to it. I'm committed now because I've already started telling people. Look at verse 17. Our trouble is obvious. He's saying, man, our trouble is obvious. The wall of Jerusalem has been reduced to piles of rock and its gates consumed by flame. He said, let us begin by rebuilding the wall. So he's saying, here's the problem. Here's the plan. He's sharing his vision. He's saying, we're going to rebuild the wall. We're going to rebuild the walls. 
of the city. It's broken down, and my people are living in disgrace. He said, in doing so, we will demolish our disgrace because of our defeat and exile. I told them how my true God had used his power to favor me, evidenced by what the king said to me. And he shares his purpose with the people. He tells them why, and then he assures them that the purpose is from God. And then, if you're going to fulfill God's purpose for your life, you got to get started. You can't keep saying, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. you got to get started. The Bible says, get, Nehemiah said, get up now, it is time to rebuild. And so they began the good work. He got started. And once you prayed, and once you stepped out of your fear, and you made a plan, and you shared your vision, you got to get started. And you get started, I can assure you, it won't be easy. It won't be easy. I can promise you. Look at verse 19. Our adversaries lost no time either. In other words, the little guy with the horns, if he really has them, and the pitchfork's going to start sticking you in places you don't want to be stuck. And he says, our adversaries lost no time either. Joining Samaritan governor Sambalot, the Horonite. You know, I hate the Old Testament. That's why I don't preach on it. I can't pronounce a word in there. Why do they just call him Buddy or Joe or Bob? No, it's <laughs> the Horonite. Why not the Kieseltow boy or something? And his officer, Tobiah the Ammonite, was an Arab named Gisham, which <laughs> that's the best I could do with it. <laughs> when they heard of our plans. You know, God didn't have country boys that can't hardly speak English in mind when he made the old, inspired the Old Testament. When they heard our plans, they mocked and ridiculed us. Here's what Gay and I have discovered after 21 years of ministry here at Salem Fields Community Church. The bigger the vision, the bigger the devil. I can tell you when you get a vision from God, and if it's a, if it's a worthy purpose, I can tell you one thing, the devil is a bigger devil. The de because there's a new devil around every corner. When you're doing what God wants you to do with your life, he promises us that we will have a rich and fulfilling life. But I can promise you this, there's a devil around every corner. And anytime you attempt to do something for God, it's not going to be easy because the devil is not happy when we take ground from him. And he will set out to take you down any way he can. Have you ever had time you want to talk about it? I can tell you 121 ways. I don't have any ways, but he's tried to do that. You see, he's going to try to take you out. And anyway, not only did God break Nehemiah's heart to rebuild the wall and to restore his people, Gabe will come and share with how God has broken our hearts for you and for your family and our community. Oh, country boy, he said him all right, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Nehemiah and it brings us all the way up to where we are today and I shared with you that 21 years ago when we came here God broke our hearts for this community and that has never changed and throughout those years the fact that we're still here after 21 years the fact that we're still married after 21 years and we work together proves that there is a God and his hand is on this place his hand is on this place, and the vision has never changed. Our heart still breaks. We sat before we even came here today, and uh, we had a time together 
of brokenheartedness about where God has brought us from and where he's keeping us today and leading us in the future. And a couple of years ago, there was this stirring in our hearts and we thought that maybe our time was coming to a close here and there was like this wind of change and I had been on a search for a youth pastor and we took two years to find a, a youth pastor. We got names from everybody that we could think of all the way from John Maxwell's organization to pastors across the country and we flew people in and uh, we knew that we needed a youth pastor at Salem Fields. Kelly was wonderful because he filled in and Jason did as well. The kids loved him, but he knew that he wasn't called as a youth pastor, and he did what we needed him to do. But we were unsuccessful. We couldn't find anyone. And Buddy and I, uh, we, we didn't have direction. We, we were frustrated. We said, if we can't get the next generation a leader for the next generation, then maybe our time is finished here. And that was okay with us. You know, we didn't want to ride it out until retirement. That would not be fair to Salem Fields. It wouldn't be fair to the people. It wouldn't be fair to anyone. It wouldn't be fair to us to just kind of ride it out. We've never been people like that. We've always needed to have purpose and know what that purpose is. So we continued to pray. And we prayed just like Nehemiah showed us that we needed to. And then through the doors walked a couple of youth pastors. Trent and Dee Stinson. And then we said, whoa, now what? <laughs> kind of the same that we said 21 years ago. And then God placed rebuild in Buddy's heart. And the story of Nehemiah. And that brings us to today. Where we have some fear and some trepidation about pushing again. What would that mean for us? I mean, we had some other opportunities that looked kind of good to us. We've got some things that we could do in the future, and, and that could have easily looked good to us. But vision means carrying a burden. You know, I wish vision was just a fun thing, but it's not. Vision really means that you carry a burden deep within your heart. It means that there are spiritual battles. The enemy does not like us because we push back darkness. And we expose things that the enemy wants to keep hidden. And so that means as leaders that there's spiritual battles. I'm reading in the Old Testament right now, and, and Moses, you know, it takes a toll on leaders because people can get upset. It can risk dividing the camp. It can scare people away. And we're saying, what, God? People get mad, and you know, if you read in the Bible, you'll see that leaders always had to contend with that sort of thing when they were pushing back darkness and when they were leading people on God's path. But Buddy and I realized that God clearly had spoken to us as we found youth pastors and as, God, as he began to stir within our hearts something new. And obedience has always been priority for Buddy and I. We decided a long time ago to put God first, no matter what the cost is to us. And we know for sure that our purpose here at Salem Fields Community Church has always been to reach people and to reach more people for Christ. And so we knew that he wasn't finished with us quite yet. So we've engaged the staff 
We've engaged the board and a few other people. And now we want to engage you in this new season that God has brought us to to rebuild. Rebuild our student ministry and to rebuild Smithfield, Virginia. And I'll tell you about that. But to rebuild also right here in this facility. Well, why do we need to rebuild the student ministry? Because we have leaders now. And we can reach more students and we, we can reach more families. And Buddy and I are going to talk to you in a couple of weeks, a, a beautiful scripture about how it's important we fight for our families and we fight for our young people. We fight for the next generation and we don't give up. As bleak as it may look sometimes, we can't give up when there's always one more person to be reached no matter what their age. Why Smithfield, Virginia? Well, God has given Salem Fields Community Church a gift. He handed us a gift. And it's some property in Smithfield, Virginia. Anybody know where Smithfield, Virginia is? Not many people have known where that is. It's a beautiful little place. You heard of Smithfield hams, Smithfield bacon. You've seen the commercials. That's where it is. And he handed us this gift, property of 10 acres and a building and $12,000 in a whole new community filled with poverty. You've got the rich, you've got million-dollar homes that's right across from this property, and then you've got the people that work at the plant that are in dire straits, dire poverty there. We've heard that the ch we've connected with a, an elementary school there, and they said if the children don't eat in the evening, they don't eat in the summer. There's children there that don't have food. And God has, has dropped this in our laps. And why rebuild this facility? Well, through the years, people have sacrificed so much for this to happen here. The, this beautiful building didn't just happen. So many people sacrificed. And the purpose for this facility was never for us, although we get to enjoy it. The purpose was to give it away to our community, to reach out into our community as a tool and use it as a tool to reach people, and it has. Last year alone, think about this, last year alone, 1,300 events happened in this building. And I could go on and on and tell you how many different kinds of things happened here. Half of those were Salem Fields. The other half were people just coming in and out and using this facility. Some of those people have started coming to, to church at Salem Fields. But that wasn't even the purpose. The purpose was to give this away to our community. Lots of things that you can't see in this building are wearing out. Brick and mortar deteriorates, you know. I mean, at our house, it's 20 years old, and we need windows. It, it's just the way that it works. And so there are some things that, that need attention. And just like Nehemiah, he had a, a vision to rebuild. So do we here at Salem Fields. And we get to be a part of it. And we're not ready to ride into the sunset quite yet, but we get to be a part of something that's so much bigger than we are. And so today and this weekend, we're sharing the vision and the plan, just like Nehemiah had. He had a plan. We're sharing that with you. So all we're asking is for you to pray. Just pray and ask God what part he wants you to, to connect to. And together, I'm telling you, what we've seen over the last 21 years has been exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ever have hoped for 
or imagine. When we started out 21 years ago, we never saw this. This is just what God has done in his grace and people coming together and finding a common purpose and cause and, and creating something so that we can reach more people for Christ. And so today we're starting to rebuild. And Isaiah says, watch closely. And I just challenge everyone, watch closely. He says, I'm preparing something new. And if you want to connect with something that's bigger than you are, that's God-sized, I'm telling you, uh, it has been beyond my imagination what happened. When we came here 21 years ago, I never dreamed what God would do. All I did, all Buddy and I did, was trust that we were just going to take the next step and be obedient. But here's the thing. We never pitched this to you without telling you the truth. It won't be easy. It won't be easy. Because there's an adversary that's against God and against you that does not want you to succeed, does not want me to succeed. And so when you're pushing uphill in a downhill world, the adversary wants to trip you up. And so when you take on something God-sized, the adversary is there. But for anyone that chooses to connect, it will be incredibly fulfilling. You just ask those people that have been here for 21 years. So why has God called us to rebuild? Because there are thousands of people just in a six-mile radius of Salem Fields Community Church who've given up on God or need to be drawn back to God. There are people in Smithfield, Virginia that need to be drawn back to God. There are people around the world that we can touch. We've touched people in India, Nigeria, Austria, all around the world. We never dreamed that would happen. But when you connect with something God-sized, that's what happens. Buddy and I still believe I will go to the grave believing that the church, the body of Christ, is the only hope for our world. It's not politics. It's not religion. But it's Jesus. And so he wants to rebuild us, beginning with our lives, so that we can take Jesus to other people. And as you allow him to rebuild you, I can promise you that he'll do something new in your life, in your home, in your church. I want to be a world changer. And with Jesus, that's how it happens. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening. We thank you, uh, Father, for this gathering that we are a part of tonight. And we thank you, God, that you trust us once again with your vision for your people and, God, for your people in this, in this church and in this community, Lord. Father, we're committed. God, we are committed to do what you would have us to do with our lives and in our church. God, I just promise you, Lord, this is not about Buddy and Gabe. Lord, you're the head of this church. Lord, as long as we're here, we're going to be obedient. So I pray, God, that you would wrap your loving arms of love and care around each person that's here tonight. God, I just pray that we will commit to pray. That, Father, we won't allow this to scare us or begin to make 
I'm talking to you now. I'm not really even talking to God. Don't let this thing scare you. And don't think, don't let your mind run wild with all kinds of thoughts. Just pray. And ask God to confirm in your heart what we're saying to you tonight. You know, and what we're asking you to do in closing is just this week start reading the book of Nehemiah. What a story. What a story. One of the things I think that God really wants us to rebuild here at Salem Fields is our love for the Word of God. And so I know we put the scripture on the on the wall. We do all that. So while we're in the book of Nehemiah, why don't you bring your Bible to church with you? Just bring your Bible. And read this week. Just start reading Nehemiah. I don't know where, where we're going to be next week in Nehemiah, but just read that. It's a great book. You know, and just read that. And allow God to speak to your heart and then begin to process this. Begin to process this with God. And, and, say, and, and ask God or begin to think about what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? What, what frustrates you about the world that we live in, this community that we live in, this job that you have? What is it children is it just breaks your heart? Children that don't have food? You know, children that are abused? Is it single moms? ask God, God, what breaks my heart? You know what it is. And then finally, when you leave tonight, if you'll just pick up, there's a booklet that we have printed for you out in the, um, out in the uh, foyer. If you'll just pick that book up and read it this week, it's great bathroom reading. And, and pray, God, what do you want to do through me to help accomplish your vision for Salem Fields? God, what do you want to do? We're not asking you to do anything else. We're not asking you to do anything else. So don't jump to conclusions. All we're asking you to do tonight is pray, God, what do you want to do through me to help accomplish your vision for Salem Fields Community Church? Because I can promise you, folks, you're here tonight on purpose. And if you're at Salem Fields Community Church, this vision is, not, is, this vision is our vision. God always gives the vision to the leaders. Always in the Bible. leaders lead and so you if you're here God gave us this vision because he has a place for you in it and all we want you to do is say God what's my place in it will you do that will you read Nehemiah will you bring your Bible to church won't that be awesome I mean the doors will probably fall off this place if Bibles start coming in Let's pick up that booklet and read it, and then let's pray. Every day this week, pray that prayer, okay? Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.